Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Romans chapter 4, I want to start in an unusual verse to begin with, and that's verse 23. It says, now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. Now that's a little bit of an odd place to begin a a text. Uh, Well, who is that that he's talking about? It was not written for his sake alone. Whose sake alone? What was written? Well, if you go back to the first part of this chapter, in verse number one says, what then shall we say that Abraham, our father, has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he have something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And that's what verse 23 is talking about. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also. Glory to God. What was written wasn't just written for somebody else, church. It wasn't written just for a person long ago or a people long ago or circumstances long ago. What was written was written for you. It was written for me. It was as if God, you can move everybody out all out of the way down through history and it's like God talking to you, reaching out directly to you and calling you by name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This was not written for for Abraham's sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I remember, I don't know why I read it this way. You know, you just read things sometimes and you think you know what you're reading and you don't. Have you ever found that particularly true in the Bible? In the older, I was raised reading the older King James Version. And in this verse, it says he was raised, according to the King James, it says he was raised for our justification. And I always meant, took that to mean that he was raised in order to justify us. That's one way the word for in the English can be interpreted. It can, it, can be, it can be used to mean in order to produce something. He was raised in order to produce our justification. But the word for in the English can also mean because of something that has already happened. And that's what is, is written right here. Jesus was not raised in order to justify you. He was raised because you were justified. Oh, glory to God. Now notice what it says. It says he was delivered up because of our offenses. Not somebody else's, but ours. Let's bring it on home a little closer. Not somebody else's, but mine and yours. We were all guilty of offenses and not just a few. A life of offense, a life of wrong, a life of sin, a life of failure. That's why I just about got carried away this morning when, when, when uh, uh, what's her name over here? <laughs> Michelle, when Michelle was singing, 
He changed my whole life. Glory to God. Woo! Hallelujah. I mean, it was all I could do to keep from taking a lap. He changed my whole life. Glory to God. Everything about me changed. He did it. He did it when when he was raised from the dead. That's when he changed my whole life. It took me a few years to catch on. It took me a few years to acknowledge what he did, to believe in what he did, to act on what he did, but he changed my whole life and he changed yours. Oh, glory to God. Woo, hallelujah. Amen. Go back to Matthew 26. Matthew 26. It says here in Romans that he was delivered up for our transgressions or for our offenses. Matthew 26 illuminates this a little bit for us. Matthew 26, verse number one says, Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these sayings that he said to his disciples, You know that after two days is the Passover and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. So that's what... Paul was referring to when it says he was delivered up. He said the son of man will be delivered up to be crucified. Then you turn over to chapter 27, verse number two. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. And then verse number 26. Then he released Barabbas to them. And when he had scourged Jesus, He delivered him to be crucified. Verse 33, and when they had come to a place called Golgotha, that is to say, place of a skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink, but but when he had tasted it, he would not drink. Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. Sitting down, they kept watch over him there. We have the awful drama, the awful, horrible specter of Jesus being delivered up to Pontius Pilate. And we skipped over a few verses there where the soldiers took a crown of thorns. And they say the, the, that the, the thorns were, were very long, very sharp thorns. They put it on his head. And they stripped him of his clothes and put a, a robe on him to mock him. And they bowed down to him and they mocked him and then they spit on him. And they took the, a, a, a long reed, heavy reed, and they hit him on the head and drove those, those piercing thorns down into his scalp. And they mocked him. Oh, king of the Jews. It was a humiliating experience, a painful experience. They put his own clothes back on him and led him out to crucify him. They scourged him, beat him to the point that he could not have survived the beating even if he hadn't have been crucified. He would have died from the beating. But then they took him out, nailed him to a cross, lifted him up between heaven and earth. 
Jesus said, if I'm lifted up, that's what he was talking about. If I'm lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. He was lifted up to draw you to him. He was lifted up on that cross. He suffered all that he suffered for you and for me. Because you see, he wasn't there because he was guilty. He was there because we were guilty. He was there because of our offenses. Turn to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. This is a marvelous, marvelous chapter. And it's amazing that this was written some 600 years before Christ was ever born. And it's such a, a pointed picture, such an uh, elaborative picture, illuminating picture of what actually happened behind the scenes when Jesus was crucified. Verse number four says, Surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement, that means the correction, the discipline, the punishment Necessary for our peace and well-being was upon him. and By his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Whew. All we like sheep have gone astray. The scripture in another place reads like this. There is none righteous, not even one, not even one. When Jesus came, he came into a sin-cursed world where there was none righteous. And there have been none righteous since him except by faith in him. Amen. The word justify. You go on down to verse number 11. He shall see, the father shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many. I want everybody, I want everybody here today to say this word justify. justify. It's one of the most important, consequential words in all of the Bible. He said that Jesus, by his service, by his knowledge, by his sacrifice, he would justify many for he would bear their iniquities. That word bear is the Hebrew word sabal. And it's the same word that's in verse number four where it says, surely he carried, first of all, it says he has borne our grace. That's the word nasah and carried Sabah, our sorrows. Both of those words indicate to lift up from someone as if lifting a heavy burden off of someone, taking it away, carrying it away on your own shoulders. That's what Jesus did when he came. That's what he did on the cross. To justify means to put man in right standing with God. 
Because remember, there was none righteous. No one could approach God. Job, the oldest book in the Bible, records the, this, the life of this man, Job, and he cried out. He said, how can a man be right before God? Can't be done. He saw the emptiness, the futility, the lost nature of mankind. How? He said, if I wash myself with the, with the strongest of soap, if I sit in sackcloth and ashes, he said, even my own body will betray me. He said, I'm lost. I'm undone without God. Nothing can remedy that. You know, people today have a lot of attempts. They attempt a lot of things to, to become right with God. To get into a place of right standing. And they try to do it themselves. It can't be done. Go with me to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Hallelujah. Romans 3, start verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? Now, who's the they? See, in the, in the Bible, in the, particularly in the Old Testament, introduction to the New Testament, the conflict or the comparison was, was between Jews and Gentiles. The Gentiles considered themselves better than everybody else. Because to them had been given the word. The Bible came to the Jews. God's revelation of man didn't come to, to any other group. It came to the Jews. It came in the form of the Bible. Other religions, sacred texts are not from God. I said other religions, sacred texts are not from God. The Bible, God's word, came to the Jews and, and to them were given the covenants. To them were given the law. And they considered themselves better than others. They considered everybody else, all Gentile people, as, as heathens. And they were God's special people. Paul asked this question, though. He said, are we better than them? Not at all. <laughs> Zilch, nada, none, zero percent, not at all, he said. For we previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They are all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. Their tongue is an open tomb. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues, they have practiced deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips. whose mouth is full of bitterness, cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now, before I go further, 
There, will, there seems to always be those who want to raise their head and say, yeah, but wait a minute, I, think, I don't think I'm all that bad. People that you know, many times when you witness to them and share Jesus with them, many times they say, well, you know, I, I think I'm a pretty good person. Surely, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make heaven. Surely I'm going to go to heaven. I'm trying to because I'm trying to be good. It's all a matter of relativity. I've used this illustration a few times in the past, but I, I, I resurrected it this morning. He's passed out of, his, out of his prime a little bit, but there was a basketball star, uh, uh, hero, still is, by the name of Michael Jordan. Now, could that man jump? Michael Jordan, they say that he could flat jump standing still three feet in the air. 36 inches from standing still. And a running jump is calculated anywhere between 46, 42 and 46 inches. He's got me beat by about 45 inches. <laughs> <laughs> but you see, if Michael Jordan is gonna compare his jump with the jumps of everybody else, he has something to boast about. Before men... Because he's in a, there's very few people, there have probably been some others who jumped that high. But I mean, he's, a, he's in the upper echelon as far as jumping is concerned. That's a lot of, that's a lot of air. But you see, it's only significant, it's only uh, amazing when we consider one another. And that's what people are doing when they think, well, I think I, I'm a pretty good person, I live a pretty good life. The, the problem is you're comparing yourself with other people. This here says, no, not one. Not at all. You see, Michael Jordan can jump 30, 36 inches, three feet off the ground. That's, that's, that's a lot for me standing here looking at him. But if I was on the moon and I was looking down and, and, and saw Michael Jordan jump, it wouldn't impress me very much. If he's trying to jump to the moon, how, how far away is the moon? 238,000 miles off the surface of the earth. That's, how, that's where the moon is. I mean, Michael Jordan's jump is not even worth looking at. It's nothing. If, if, the, if the standard is getting to the moon... But in our, in our comparison, the standard is not getting to the moon. The sun is 93 million miles. There is no difference between Michael Jordan and me. No, not any difference. If that's, if that's the, the, the standard, but that's not even the standard either. When it comes to God, God created, the, the Bible says God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the heavens means everything out there. The farthest star, the, the, the outer edges of the universe. Look it up there, now I can't even see you. I see these blotches of blue everywhere. That's why I'm blinking, I'm trying to get rid of it. <laughs> the Bible says that 
in, in, in Jeremiah that, in Jeremiah that he created the heavens and the earth with his outstretched arm. Not arms, arm. You could say this, Jesus did all this with one arm tied behind his back. If you're going to be, if you're going to try to, to talk about your righteousness compared to God, if you're going to, if you're, if you're next to Michael Jordan, you ought to just sit on the bench. Stay on the bench. Don't embarrass yourself. Isn't that right? You cannot compare your good deeds at all to God's rightness. God's, God's, the Bible says that his ways and his thoughts, we've looked at this scripture recently in just a couple chapters over in Isaiah here, Isaiah 55. His thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so are his ways above our ways. His thoughts above our thoughts. His righteousness above our own good deeds. You just can't reach it. You just can't reach it. Amen. Stay on the bench. Amen. Hallelujah. That's how much more righteous God is than your best effort. Go with me to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. Verse number 6 says, but he gives more grace. Well, there's a big word, grace. Therefore, he said, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. See, when you try to come to God in your own righteousness, in your own good deeds, telling God what a good boy you've been, what a good girl you've been, all you've done for people, you need to stay on the bench. You need to sit down. Humble yourself. And acknowledge that your righteousness can't even be seen by God. <laughs> it's not even, it's not even, it, it's, it's, it's nothing. It's nothing. If you, if you devoted your life, the rest of your life, you couldn't even do this physically, but let's just hypothetically, if you could give every second of the rest of your life doing good, helping people, you know, reaching out to people, you know, just serving, just, just, in other words, not doing anything for yourself, just doing for others, just crawling on your belly, so to speak, just trying to do your very best to help others and do nothing for yourself. It still wouldn't even be noticeable in comparison to God and, and what he demands And see, that's why the law was given to Israel. It was not given to Israel so that they could meet it. 
The law was not given to Israel so that they could obey it and be right before God. It, they, the law wouldn't let them climb the ladder. It's not tall enough. The law was given to Israel so that they would know how far off the mark they were. Amen. Well, that's the truth. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me see if there's another verse before I go on. Yeah. Look at verse number 21. Romans, I'm sorry, Romans 3, verse 21. I think we started, stopped in verse number 18, didn't we? Let's let's go back up to 19 and get 19 and 20, then we'll go to 21. Verse 19 says, now we know that whatever the law says, it says to to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped. And all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. God gave the law so that people would not think that their good deeds would ever suffice. Because not a person was able to keep the law. No one was able to fully keep it. No one. And that was the whole purpose. Was to, so that man would see there's nothing you can do. Your best effort's just not enough. But verse 20 says, 21 says, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. I like the translation says, that says God's way of man's right standing with him apart from the law has been revealed. Glory to God. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. See, in the Old Testament, God passed over. Sins that had been committed. They, the people were still sinful. But he allowed a system of sacrifice, the blood of animals to be shed so that, and that was a testimony to the coming blood of Jesus that would be shed, that would take away sins. But the, the shedding of, of blood of, of animals could never take away sin. All it did was make a covering so that God could pass over their sins. All the way up, morally speaking, righteously speaking, out in the outer limits of the universe. And beyond that, God passed over all of the sin. 
even in the light of his great righteousness, he passed over it. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. To demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be righteous and the righteousness of the one who has faith in Jesus. That's what the word just and justify means. Righteous and, and the one who makes righteous. To demonstrate at the present time his righteousness. That he might be righteous and the righteousness of the one who has faith in Jesus. You see the good news is God made his righteousness available not on the basis of merit, not on the basis of anybody's good deeds. Because again, as soon as you start trying to justify yourself, as soon as you start trying to climb that ladder, back on the bench. You gotta go back to the bench. Humble yourself. Submit yourself to God, it says. We're in the third chapter of, of Romans, going over to the eighth chapter. Hallelujah. Romans chapter eight. Look at verse three. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Oh, glory. God did what we couldn't do, God did. What you will never do, God's already done. What you're unable to do, he's already done it. Glory to God. Because of sin, on account of sin, God condemned, judged sin in the flesh in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. God judged your sin all right. Penalty was passed on your sin and my sin. Judgment came. You might be sit, sitting there thinking you're cruising through life and you know, you've gotten away with something. Let me tell you something. Somebody has suffered for your sin. A man named Jesus suffered for your sin on account. He took your sin. You, your every sin, everything you've ever done was judged to Jesus. It was put on him. And when the debt had been paid, you were declared free. You were declared free. All of your sin, past, present, future. Jesus bore that sin. He took it. He carried it away. And God declared you legally free. Legally justified. And that's when Jesus was raised from the dead. He was raised because of our justification. That's why he was raised. That's how he was raised. Now, don't misunderstand me. We celebrate the resurrection of Christ and it's right. And it's scriptural. It's good. But, but too often, 
Christians who aren't very knowledgeable of the scripture, they just look at the surface. They think it's only about the man, Jesus, overcoming death. He died and he was raised from the dead. Well, that's a big miracle. But Jesus wasn't the only person who's ever been raised from the dead. In fact, he raised people from the dead. Now, the big difference is between those people and Jesus, these people who, they weren't resurrected. They were, there were people who were raised from the dead. I know ministers today who've had people raised from the dead in their meetings. See, now, pastor, do you really believe that? Absolutely, I believe that. Number one, because I know Jesus did it. And I know he said the works that I do, you'll do also. And I know the ministers of whom I'm talking about. I know them to be people of character. They wouldn't lie to me. I know they wouldn't. So it's entirely possible. That's a big miracle. When a dead man comes back to life. But all of those people are going to die again. All the people that Jesus raised from the dead, they died again. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he was resurrected to never die again. He conquered death. But, but get this, church, he didn't just conquer death for himself like, I conquered death. I've done it. No, he conquered death for us. Oh, glory. He conquered death for you. Christians should never be afraid of death again. Death doesn't have the last say over any of us. Glory to God. Because somebody that we trusted in, somebody that we've been made a part of, somebody that, that we, were, we were raised up together with this one person. Glory to God. We're alive in him. And because of that, no matter what happens, this body, glory to God, we're coming back up again. Woo, hallelujah. Hallelujah. We, how can that be? How can it be? Because we have also been made righteous. Jesus was crucified on the cross and he took our sins, but he, he bore the punishment for our sins. He suffered the full payment of our sins. And when justice had been done, Jesus was declared righteous. Jesus was quickened in spirit. He was raised up in spirit. And then he rose up out of that place and come up through the, through the tomb, stopped over and picked up that body out of that, out of that shell that had been wrapped in. Just come by and picked up that body, jumped in it, glory to God. Come out of that tomb, glory to God. Woo, hallelujah. Well, I'm gonna tell you what, I've come out of the tomb too. I was wrapped in, I was wrapped in grave clothes and death clothes and flesh clothes, glory to God. And God raised me up, hallelujah. And he raised you up too, hallelujah. You've come out of that tomb. You're not you're no longer dead. You're no longer in sin. You're no longer in the flesh. Glory to God. You've been raised up. You've been raised up together with him. Hallelujah. One of two things are going to happen. Either you're going to die before Jesus comes back. Your body's going to go to the grave. Or, you're going to, or you'll be here when he comes back. One or two of those. But either way, your body's going to go through a change. 
Hallelujah. If you're alive and remain when Jesus comes back, your body is going to be changed. This mortal is going to put on immortality. This corruption is going to take on incorruption. You're going to be changed, glory to God. And your body is going to be made like his resurrected body. For those of, uh, of those who've already passed on and they're in heaven and their bodies have been laid here in the ground, they're going to come back just like Jesus did and pick up that old body. He came back and he picked that body up on the way out of that tomb. He picked that body up. Well, you're going to come back. Those people that have died, they're going to come back and pick that old body back up and it's going to be changed. Glory to God. It's going to be quickened and they're going to, they're going to be raised up. And those of us who are alive in the rain, we're going to join them as they go up. Glory to God. Woo, hallelujah. Resurrection is a reality. I said resurrection is a reality. It's a reality. It's not just a past event that happened to Jesus. It's a reality in your life, in my life, in our life. Glory to God. Oh, my goodness. Praise God. Sin and death and the grave have been conquered. And we've been raised. Hallelujah. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.